Welcome to the Page of Our Lives podcast, where each week we take a page from our own lives or from the life of an inspiring friend and give you the Cliffs Notes. On today's show, Paige and I explore how to find gratitude in a time of grief. We interview writer and teacher Blakeney Riley. After losing her infant daughter just a few days after birth, Blakeney has walked through one of the most difficult journeys a person can travel. Yet, through her darkest season, Blakeney saw glimpses of God's goodness at work in her life, allowing her to experience gratitude in the midst of her grief. She says recognizing these moments of thanks allowed her to heal and find hope even in her sorrow. We have two formats of today's show, an audio version and a video version, which you can find out on our Page of Our Lives YouTube channel. Whichever way you listen, we can't wait for you to meet Blakeney and hear how gratitude has changed her life. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Page of Our Lives. I am Leslie, and I am here with my awesome co-host, Paige. Hey, Paige, how's today for you? Hi, Leslie. It's so good to see you in person. And today's been a busy day. I feel like you and I have been Marco Poloing since the crack of dawn. <laughs> and if we you have don't know been. what Marco Polo is, it's our only favorite app. And we're hoping to get a sponsor one day. Yeah, we want Marco Polo along with Tide and all the other yes. things that we mentioned yes. on our show. Yes. Hey, let's introduce everybody to our amazing guest today. We have Blakeney Riley with us. Hey, Blakeney, how are you? Good, good. Well, Blakeney is a wife and a mom. She is a middle school teacher, with which just that in itself, we should all just like stop and give her a round of applause. Yeah, um, canned, canned clapping into this episode. Exactly. I'm going to add the applause track there. She is also a writer and a ministry leader, and she wears a lot of different hats. And we asked Blakeney to be on our show today because we are beginning to wrap up this um series on gratitude. And one of the things we wanted to explore was the importance of gratitude when we're walking through a season of grief. And I know, Blakeney, one of the things you're going to do today is share with us a little bit about your journey. You've definitely walked Mm -hmm. through a season of grief and gratitude was very impactful for you in Mm -hmm. that season and coming out of that season. So before we get into that, would you just get give our listeners a little bit of an insight, a little bit of a page of your life about what life is like for you in this season? Yes. So my day starts really early. Um, I've always been one, when I was younger, um, I would snooze my alarm almost religiously um, and they were useless. All I did was hit the snooze, hit the snooze, hit the snooze. And so it was useless. So now I set my alarm at 4.24 a.m. All of my alarms are set at these odd times, like it's on a one or a three, because I've got this like weird little, um, I don't know, like a mental obsession with continuously um, calculating elapsed time. It's strange, I know. And so it's harder for me to do that if the clock is on an odd time rather than, you know, on the 10, on the 30 or on the hour. So I get up at 4.24 a.m. So I can go work out at five, um, which is vital because it kind of wakes up my day. Um, Then I have Bible study um, where it's quiet in the house because nobody else is awake. And then I spend my day um, teaching sixth graders reading and writing um, and trying to help them become um, successful citizens and better humans on this planet. 
Um, I have a 13-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, um, both who are super busy in all the things. We have one sport that just ended and a new one that just started. Um, and so that fills a lot of our day. We're pretty active with our church, and so we've got different events there. Um, we've got a new friend that's actually is moving here from Washington, which is that's a super wild and crazy story for totally another day. Um, but the kids have been able to spend, got to spend time with them when they were here. And so there's been some evenings um, with that too. And then I try to get in the bed between 8.30 and 9, which makes me sound like, I don't know. It's like the time that my mom always wanted me to go to bed when I was a kid and I resisted it so hard. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Um, but I like, I want to be in bed a little bit earlier, probably because my alarm goes off super early. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, if I was getting up at 424, I would need to be in bed by 830. There's no right. question. There is no question. <laughs> totally. Coffee does assist the mornings quite well. <laughs> now, are you yes. one of those that do you pre-brew your coffee? Like, do you set the timer for your coffee to brew first thing 100%. in the morning? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I fill the coffee pot um, the night before and then it's set to go off at 507. It's ridiculous because I'm at workout. Then it doesn't even matter. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. Maybe my schedule at school influences that too, because all of our schedule, like our classes, end at strange times. I've got one that ends at two o seven and one that ends at nine forty three a.m. Like it's yeah. So maybe you know it carries over into every aspect of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's ready when I get back from workout. So I just have to pour it, drink it, and move so on about good. my day. Good for <laughs> so you. Good. Okay, I, Leslie, I feel like because not everybody knows um, Blakeney, and I think everybody might need to hear the little backstory how Blakeney came into our lives. So, <laughs> yeah, Blakeney, go for it. You and I met at the She Speaks conference. I don't remember what year that was, 2017. Oh, gosh. Probably. Yeah. 18, somewhere, somewhere in those teen years mm -hmm. of the 2000s. I don't know right? exactly. Pre-COVID. So, yeah, yeah pre-COVID stuff. And She Speaks is with Proverbs 31 Ministries. And it's a it's a speakers conference for speakers, writers, and ministry leaders. And we met in the lobby. So, Blakeney, why don't you you tell that story a little bit? <laughs> how you came well, into really our life. Yes. Okay. So I really like adventure. Um, so sometimes um, I've had a tendency to like, you know, totally jump and then I'm in the air and not really wondering where I'm going to land. Um, and that was kind of one of the deals with She Speaks. Um, I love to travel, but I've never traveled completely by myself before that far. Like going to Dallas, it's not really that far. It's like a short little plane trip. I've, I've got people that I know there. So I'm um, going to She Speaks. It really wasn't until I got there it's that I realized. From, tell them where it was from Texas. Oh, okay. So I live in Amarillo, Texas, and She Speaks is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so literally halfway across the country where I know no one or knew no one. Um, and so I walk in to the conference on that morning and I realized that um, a lot of the people really looked like they knew each other. And I realized I know no one. And then my immediate thought was, um, what am I going to do? And what did I get myself into? And I started to panic. I say like a little bit, but it really was kind of a lot. And so I was looking around and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And so I texted um, our youth pastor's wife, who's a friend of mine, sat down. And as I'm texting her, I'm like, 
um, Lena, I just need for you to pray for me to find a friend. I just need one friend. And no kidding, literally as I'm <laughs> hitting send, I'm getting ready to look up and Paige is standing in front of me. She's like, hi, my name's Paige. What's your name? And I was like, I'm Blakeney. She said, well, we're going to be friends. I said, what? And she said, my name's Paige. We're going to be friends. And I said, you have no idea how quickly prayer was just answered. And so that was all she wrote. And Paige is a connector of people. And so yeah. that's how now I get to know Leslie and multiple other people, all because page <laughs> all because of page <laughs> you know what, what i don't i'm hoping to be like the that saying like there's the five something of kevin bacon oh, yeah. like the oh, Eric, six degrees of six kevin degrees bacon or five degrees. six degrees of separation yes from page Ellison. yeah for, and so then whenever i met blakeney introduced us to another friend stephanie who was on one of our episodes um back when we first launched the podcast and then i'm like leslie you have got to know my friend blakeney because she lives out in texas and and so then at the beautiful conference with grace family church we all connected down in florida and here we are one big happy family so <laughs> beyond the, all the big happy family, the, I think one of my, the reasons that I was totally drawn to Blakeney and said, we're going to be friends really, because it was pretty instant that we shared our stories with one yeah. another. And Blakeney has a story that is just, it's so hard to imagine. And yet the joy that you radiate Blakeney with all mm. that you've been through, through your backstory, because literally meeting you in the lobby, you would never know. <laughs> that you, yeah. you've been through some stuff. So, yeah. uh, some stuff. So <laughs> tell our listeners, like, um, tell us what you've been through. Tell us some of your story, um, that nobody would ever know until you reveal it. <laughs> well, it's really, you know, the reason I think that most people don't know is it's not really a story that people start out with, um, in conversation because it can be a mood killer real quick um, when you start talking about grief and death and loss and all those things because we really don't know what to do with it because it makes us super duper uncomfortable because when there's pain involved as is the case um, when you've got grief it, we're don't we're not sure what to do with it and so like people right. who are grieving don't often talk about it mm -hmm. um, and the people who are around those that are grieving don't talk about it because they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. Um, and that's a huge lesson that I learned through the, the multiple grief journeys that we've walked. Um, I actually used to joke that I was an expert in grief because we had suffered so many losses. Um, but then I realized that's probably not something that you really, it's not really a laughing matter, but it is actually laughter is one of the things that helps get you through too. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I decided to not, um, like nix that at all. But we are big at probably, well, we've walked through several losses in our life. Probably the first significant loss in my life that I suffered um, with regards to grief would be my brother um, who was killed in a motorcycle accident almost 20 years ago. He died three months after my husband and I got married. So mm. um, we got into real marriage real fast. Um, and actually 10 days prior to that, my husband's grandmother, who was the matriarch of their family um, passed as well. And so in a very short time span, um, there was a lot of nitty gritty, like, let's figure out how we're going to do this thing because we love each other and we're both hurting a whole lot. How are we mm. going to figure this thing out? Um, I did not navigate the grief of my brother very well at all. And I actually became quite bitter um, for a long time. Um, but thank God for grace because 
it really helped prepare me for um, the death of our daughter um, in 2011. Um, when, at, when I was pregnant with our youngest daughter, um, at her 20-week ultrasound, she was diagnosed with this thing called congenital diaphragmatic hernia, um, which I knew nothing about before then. But then, um, as my um, doctor told me, I became and really a legitimate expert in it because it was my child that we were dealing with. Um, wow. And so with that type of um, defect, it really affects the diaphragm. And so your diaphragm actually acts as a protector between the chest cavity and the abdominal cavity. Um, and when there is a hernia, it, there's a space that's open. Um, and the problem with that is that it allows organs from the abdominal cavity to float to the chest cavity. Well, that's a problem mm -hmm. when you've got a growing baby um, because well, and any human, you need all the space for the appropriate, you know, for the appropriate things to be in the appropriate places. And I really believe looking back on it, that um, God started preparing my heart then um, for what was to come. Um, we were super involved in the church um, where we were. It was the same church where my husband and I had met, the same church where we had gotten married, um, the same church where um, both Kaylin and Jace, our 16 and 13 year old, um, had been baby dedicated and baptized, all the things. Um, and so it was no question for us that when we knew something was wrong with, with our youngest, which um, that diagnosis, it's literally a 50-50 shot. But mm. I tend to think in the positive. So I'm like, well, that means 50% chance she's going to be fine. So let's lean towards that. That's definitely what we were believing for and what we were praying for. Um, and what tons and tons of people around us were praying for. So we just made plans as if she was going to be fine, that yes, she would need um, all sorts of um, reconstructive surgery internally, but she was going to be fine because, hey, that's what people were praying for. And God answers prayers, right? Um, so the problem came for us when it wasn't, the prayer wasn't answered like we had prayed and believed. And so... Um, that was hard, not just for us, but a lot of people around us, is, which is mm -hmm. why when I mentioned that grief is so it's sticky, it's it's just sticky for everyone and why it is super duper important to be grateful for the immediate things around you, because those things became what saved me. Mm -hmm. um, I had a six year old when our daughter died. I had a six year old and a three year old who needed their mommy and just looking at their faces was significant. I had a husband who was grieving too, who needed me to be present for him. And so I had some people who spoke some real truth um, into my life who were willing to tell me some of the hard things that I didn't want to hear and who let me be real. Because one of the things I've discovered um, being um, a believer and someone um, when you have, when um, like kind of like when you're in a position to be seen at church, right? So if you're in a leadership position or a ministry position, um, you feel like there's eyes on you mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and one of the things that I, that I found very difficult was I felt like, um, in a large, a large part of the time that I had to put on a show for people because it was uncomfortable, um, for me to be able for them, <laughs> you know, for me to be able to grieve. But I had some people that surrounded me who were like, Hey, like, I hear that you're saying that you're fine, but your face indicates that you're not fine. So right. that, that, was, that was huge. That was huge in my healing. And I think it's something that's super important when people are walking through seasons of grief, especially if you're someone who's not personally walking it, but you've got some close friends or family members or coworkers, or you just see people um, that are walking through that grief journey. It's just, 
like give them the permission and you almost i think have to vocalize with them hey like i know that every day is not going to be okay and it is okay for you to not be okay especially when you're when you're around people that they are in positions that they're used to leading because it's really tough to lead and lead well when when you're grieving because you yeah. literally feel physical pain you know and so with our daughter um one of the, one of the things like i said to help me be grateful was having my immediate things my my children who they needed me. My husband needed me. I worked. I went back to work probably a little bit too soon because I teach. Um, and she she passed in the summer. And so um, I was able to go back to work. Um, but routine helped me a lot. And I was very yeah. grateful for that routine. That may actually be why I still stick to a pretty a pretty solid routine because it helps keep me grounded. And it really is those little things. You know, people joke about how important it is to like make your bed every morning. And there are people who are diehards. Yes, you will make your bed every day. Leslie Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, You'll see as charged. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny is I used to think it was the dumbest thing in the world to make your bed. Because why make your bed if you're just going to get in it at night? But there's something about the order of it that just makes me feel calm. So mm-hmm. I totally buy into that. Um, these days, but it's just some of those little things that um, when you're walking like a season of grief, that those almost basic kind of common sense sounding things help so much. So now, did you let people in to your inner world um, during that? Like, let's say like cover like the first six months. I mean, you've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old and then Mm -hmm. you, a newborn loss, you've got postpartum hormones raging as it is anyway. And, and six and three-year-olds, they're tiring. I mean, like they have a lot of questions and they're physically needy. And especially having, you know, a girl and a boy, you get, you get all, you get all the feels. So did you let people help you? And what are some things that people did? And what did you do? Did you have moments where you're like, checking out or how were, how were you during that time? A hundred percent. So one of the things that I've learned is within like the first two weeks um, of a death, you kind of run on autopilot. There's all these decisions that have to be made. Um, you know, what to do with things, what to do. You, you plan a funeral, like these things that you just work on autopilot. People feed you, people tell you to brush your teeth, you know, people make sure you have clothes, like they do all the things. So really within within the first two weeks of those six months, I really did function on autopilot. My, I could not leave um, with my six-year-old and my three-year-old. It was such a traumatic removal um, for when I even went to the hospital because I just I went into labor early, which compounded things. Mm. Um, and so it was this super wild and crazy, daddy's got to take mommy to the hospital. We'll see you later. And then I was flown to Dallas. And so then they didn't see me. So when I got home, I actually, with Jace especially, um, I couldn't, I almost couldn't leave the room without him. Mm. Um, and if I left the house, there were lots and lots of tears um, for him because he, and Kaylin, Kaylin too, but she was a little bit older with her being six. And so she could rationalize mommy really is just going to the store, but Jace could not. So there was a lot of re kind of structuring those things. As far as people in my inner world, um, 
I have a tendency to go inward um, because I feel like I need to make everything look like it's okay on the outside. And so there were people in my general world, like my work world, a lot of my church world, because I felt like I had so many eyes on me. Hey, there's the, Hey, there's Blakeney. Did you know her baby just died? You know? So I felt mm-hmm. like I had to act a certain way, mm-hmm. um, at church. Um, and so in my general world, I pretended a lot as we tend to do, which is why it's so important for the people that were in my inner world. I had literally just a handful of people um, that were in my inner world that we could speak very frankly. Those were the people, um, some that were, those were the expected people to be in my inner circle. And then a couple of people that um, you would be like, my general people would be surprised were in my, (laughs) you know, were in my inner circle. Um, But those were the people that um, would contact me on a seemingly random time and just say, Hey, I was thinking about you. I'm, I'm checking in. Like, tell me how things are going. Let's meet up. Or they would just show up at my house because I wasn't going to invite people over and be like, Hey, can we talk about how terrible this day is? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't tend to do that. So that, that is, that was vital. And so when you've got friends, I think like those from two weeks on after everybody's gone back to normal life, um, that's when it's super important to be, if you want to be a friend, you know, to be checking in, to showing up, to, you know, drop off food or, you know, because you get lots of freezer meals in the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to hear, sorry, my brain is just going with all these like questions and I want to, so Leslie, I know you've got a lot too, but I want to hear, how did you and your husband, John get, how was your relationship with him? I mean, I can only imagine the trauma that he's feeling. Like, how did you give us some, your wisdom? What'd you do? How'd you stay <laughs> well, married? I don't know if it's wisdom as much as experience, <laughs> but um, I would say like, I was, I worried a lot about him because I, one of the things whenever, um, as soon as Kinley was diagnosed, I started writing just to keep people updated. And what started as writing to keep people updated became writing to help me. Like it started the healing process. I feel like, even then, because I had an avenue to do that. Um, but I really worried about him because when he's a guy and guys don't generally, they're, you know, they just, they're not as open, but I really worried about him. But he and I had a lot of conversations, just the two of us checking in, um, checking in with each other. I checked on him a lot again, because like, and I would tell some of my friends, can you please go? Like, I love that you're asking me how I'm doing, but will you please, please go talk to John? please go talk to John because he needs somebody to check on him too. He's the daddy. Like I got to carry her the entire pregnancy. I got to feel her. You know, I, I got to listen to her when I was in the, um, on bed rest in the hospital. They did, I mean, routine Doppler. So I got to hear her a lot and he did not get to experience that. So I like our journeys were very different, but he and I had a lot of conversation. It's wild when you talk about like the grace and peace of God, where people will say, you know, we tend to want to push God away when things are really, really terrible sometimes when it's really, really good. And when it's really, really bad, um, because we either think that um, we don't need him or we're not worthy of it right on either end of the spectrum. Um, but we started seeing little things of how we were so covered in grace and peace that that became a lot of our conversation. Plus, um, we had, there were some people around us who were not believers. And so we, we were able to have conversation about what, what our journey was looking like 
on the outside and how we could make sure that Christ is who was portrayed. Um, and I actually have a very, very dear friend um, who she's in the, she's from the Dallas area, one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. Um, she got to come and attend. Um, well, first of all, she's the only one of my friends who got to be there. Um, she was there. She actually got to see Kinley when um, she was born. She got to be present for that whole time. She sat in there. Like when you think about like, friendship, she sat in there at literally one of the worst moments of my life. And she got to sit there and was just to be present like that. You don't find very many people like that. And she did that willingly because there are a lot of people like, peace, I'm out. That is not anything that I want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. But she got to see that. And then she came to her funeral and we had, we had several conversations of, um, how that was the body of Christ, like the people who it's like, they literally came out of the woodworks to take care of us and to take care of Kaylin and Jace and to take care of John and even our parents, you know, our, um, our daughter's grandparents, like they, people were coming out of the woodworks. And so we were able to have a conversation about this is the, this is the body of Christ. This is what we're talking about. When we say the love of God and the faithfulness of God, that literally in every single moment, he is faithful. It doesn't matter if we believe it or not. He is faithful. And so our conversations between, you know, between John and I were centered a lot around that. And even just some of the basics, like, hey, how's the day going? Like, how was work for reals? What did you, you know, did people ask you about it? Did you feel like people avoided you? You know, where's your, you know, where's your headspace um, today? Because, you know, some days we tried to function. Well, every day we tried to function pretty pretty normally because I get, you know, with little kids, you, you kind of have to keep something because if you don't, then the trains are going to, the wheels on the train are going to really fall off. And then that is really bad. Yeah. So, so I would love, I mean, you talked a little bit about, um, how, you know, looking back at that, at that time in your life, there's so many things that you can see that were today. You're like, you know, I'm so grateful for this. I'm grateful for the friends. I'm grateful for mm-hmm. the body of Christ in our in our church community. You know, I'm grateful for just even having the opportunity to to love on my three and my six year old. But what were some things that maybe surprised you that either whether you were in in that whether you, you know, it was during that season or maybe it's kind of in ref, a reflective place like. What sort of surprised you about some things walking through um, losing your daughter that maybe you didn't expect to be grateful for that you could say, you know what, I actually really am grateful for that. And here's why. <laughs> um, trivial annoyances. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would be so grateful for them. I actually found myself getting super aggravated. And even to this day um, with, you know, we have a tendency, it's really just how we show how privileged we are when we complain about the super trivial, but I found myself becoming super grateful for the things that in my previous life would seem super major, but really they were nothing. You know, I mean, like something as simple as, oh, I really thought Grey's Anatomy was on tonight and it's not. They're going, you know, they're waiting a week on the in-between that would, you know, send me into a tailspin or something before, but I've been super grateful because like, okay, well, I've 
I've lived through worse things. Like I've literally lived through worse things. I'm pretty sure I will survive. I'll even survive the continuous construction that seems to happen on I-40 in Amarillo. Like, (laughs) you know, it really is the little things. It sounds like people think it's so cheesy, you know, like, oh, embrace the little things for one day. You'll realize that they'll, they were really the great things, but it really it is true, y'all. Like yeah. it, it, it is good. so true. So that was probably one of the biggest things looking back that like, okay, I, things that you, we really took for granted before really become the super, the super special and the scene things. It's mm, good. So I want to know, um, you know, as you've kind of reflected on your, your time with Kenley and everything you walked through, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe looking back over like this last year and a half, honestly, where we've had people are experiencing a lot of loss and maybe it's yeah. not um, just a death in their family or in their a death of a friend, but people have had, you know, they've lost jobs, they've lost yeah. dreams. Like there's just been a lot of loss for people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say has been a habit or a behavior that's really improved your ability to be grateful, especially kind of in the middle of walking through pain or walking through loss? Right. Um, one of the things that I've found that is super helpful is getting outside, um, mm. getting outside, especially when I can turn my face to the sun and just literally feeling the warmth from the sun, even on a chilly day. Um, just having that because there's something that it's like it just touches, you know, it, first of all, you feel it physically, um, which does something, I think, chemically in the brain. But two, yeah. um, just because it touches your soul. So being able to be outside and maintaining um, to the best extent of your ability, some real physical contact with other people. Like technology is great, but I feel like it can be super isolating too, if that is your only form of communication, because we we were designed to be able to touch other people. And so I know that for me in that's in the season then, and just this weird, crazy time that we've had and, with, with loss of all sorts of things. It's the connection that we miss, right? That's, that's the connection that we grieve, whether it's the connection with the person or the connection with the job or the connection with the home. You know, there's people that have been, you know, crazy displaced during, um, the fallout of all things, you know, related to COVID. Um, and so just being able to somehow maintain some type of physical and real life connection is, significant. Um, I found that to be super helpful. I think that's a really powerful thing that you're talking about because I think, yes, grief causes people to want to isolate for sure. But I think this 18 months, you know, almost two years now that we're going on, this has also brought out a lot of, I think, isolation in people. And Mm -hmm. it's just, we, it's a lot easier to just say, I'm just going to phone it in, or I'm just going to text that person, or I'm not going to go to physically go to church. I'm just going to watch it online. And I Mm -hmm. think it's created this environment where people are like, it's just so much easier for me to just isolate and be by myself than it is for me to put myself out there, especially if I'm hurting or I'm feeling lonely, or maybe I'm feeling depressed or anxious. And I think you're absolutely right. Like outdoors, being outdoors and just feeling this, the warmth of the sun and seeing the nature, seeing nature is important. But I think the more, more powerful than that is 
you know, community and connection with other human beings. For sure. So it's really good. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was just, today's been a, a, Wednesdays are always hectic days and I was excited to get to connect with you girls here on this show. But just before this, I, Wednesdays is like youth group night where we are. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's like that for a lot of people on Wednesday nights. And this is what, that's the night we're recording this. And I had one friend who happens to be in town another friend who I honestly haven't had time to get together with, like text me, Hey, what are you doing while they're at youth group? And I was like, (laughs) well, somebody's coming over. They're bringing Bojangles. Why don't you just come? And before I know it, I had three girlfriends sitting around my table for the past few hours. And we all were like, why don't we do this more? Like I have missed this in person. It's different. I mean, as much as like I make jokes about Marco Polo, I love Marco Poloing you girls every day and seeing your faces texting. But man, there's something about breaking bread and sitting around the table and seeing somebody eye to eye um, with face to face, you know, God just really did make us all for community. And there's for just sure. something special about that. And especially in your time of grief, like, yeah, I know when I walked through that season with our daughter being sick and just having people who just showed up and it wasn't necessarily that they had something to say. Sometimes they just showed up and swept them on my floor and didn't talk to me yep. at all. They just let me take a nap and did the dishes or walk the dogs, like be that person, um, be that person that just shows up and serves and, and that doesn't ask, just does it. It it just does it. Yes. And that service may just be in the form of a gift card to Mm Chick-fil-A or feeding the other kids or (laughs) taking the other kids out. So was there, what about like, I know some people want, for me, especially, and maybe I'll just speak for those some people that are like me, um, <laughs> they want like a book or a resource or a podcast <laughs> or a sermon. Like, just tell me what did. Was there any resource that helped you during that season of grief? Um, honestly, I was given several books, uh-huh. um, and I didn't want to read any of them. Um, honestly, because like there was, when I was in the hospital, actually, there was a lady who came and she was trying to be super helpful. And even while I was speaking to her and feeling super bothered by how I was talking to her, I was super consumed with all these answers that it felt like she was trying to give me to make it okay that my baby had just died and it was in no way, shape or form okay with me. So, um, that book, I can't even tell you the name of, of a book. It's actually probably really good. <laughs> um, but I've not read it to this day. I haven't read, you know, I, I have not read any other book as far as, you know, helping grieving you know, to help myself with grieving. Um, there was a book that I read. It was a children's book. I cannot remember the title of it um, that I read. It was a children's book for the kids. Um, that I read it and then just talked to the kids about it. Didn't ever read it to them um, because kids are really cool and they grieve in their own way. And I tried to just watch, watch them because, you know, they kind of go up and down and up and down and they will kind of say things as when they need to say them and not when they don't need to say them. Um, But as far as books for myself, I didn't really read any. The only thing that I really did do at the advice Um, of one of my friends who spoke heavy truth into me was to dig straight into um, the Bible, which 
honestly, I kind of resisted that too, because I was really mad because everything that we had prayed was for her to be okay. Like my plan was that we were going to bring home this beautiful baby girl who was healed and she was healed through all the doctors because God skills doctors to be able to create healing on this side of heaven. And that's what we had planned for. So when we didn't get that, I was super mad about that. Um, and I was disappointed for the other people who'd been praying for us too, because I didn't want them to lose hope in praying because when we don't get what we want or what we think that is going to happen, then we think, well, maybe he's not as good as he says he is. Um, but I came upon a, upon a scripture um, that says that um, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And That's that so scripture good. just played on repeat over and over. And I would go back to it over and over and over because there was a time when I thought he was a liar. I even told him so. <laughs> and yeah. that moment was actually probably pivotal for me because I finally quit dancing around um, the issue with God because he was right. present all along. But I was really mad that he didn't give me what I wanted and what I believed that he was going to give me because I believed that he'd said that my, my season of mourning was over because we had just before my daughter died, had just walked through three deaths in our family, my grandfather and my two uncles, all in the same immediate family of my mom. So, you know, within a very short amount of time, less, uh, let's see, six, 12, about 18 months prior to our daughter. Yeah, we'd had my grandfather and two uncles. So my mom and my Nana had suffered, you know, the loss of a husband and two siblings. And my mom essentially became an only, an only child, child in a very short amount of time. So we had grief compounded upon grief. So I was super mad when um, we didn't get healing on this side of <laughs> healing on this side of heaven. And so I remember sitting in my vehicle outside of my school. Um, I can't remember what I even, I even wasn't in the school building that day. But um, I remember just telling God, you, you are a liar. Like, you, you lied. Yeah. You told me that my season of mourning is over. And then you took my daughter from me. And he yeah. said, what else? And I was like, what do you mean? What else? Cause you know, I feel like he talks to me like I would, you know, <laughs> and I said, well, I don't think that you're as good as you say you are. And he said, okay, what else? And I said, why, why did you take her? Like, why couldn't she be like, why couldn't she be here where everybody can see and praise you that way? And he's like, because, <laughs> and then there was nothing. And then I was mad about that. And he said, you know, like, and of course I don't, you know, it's like, he's really having a conversation where, you know, we're having this conversation here. Um, but it's like, I could in that vehicle, just that pure honesty of me telling him how angry and how much that I really didn't believe that he said who he said he was. And he remained, mm -hmm. he didn't, you know, strike me down dead with a bolt of lightning or, say, you know, get away from me. He's like, I'm, I'm here. Like, it doesn't matter. Bring whatever you have because I I'm here for you. I will remain faithful. Like you can't see what I'm doing in you right now and what I'm going to do through this. He was like, you, you can't see that right now, Blakeney, but it's coming. And so now that we are, you know, 10 years out, there's so much that there's, it was, it would, was impossible for me to see then so much that has been accomplished in opportunities to be able to share his faithfulness 
because mm-hmm. he didn't heal her on this side of heaven. There's just no way that I could physically or even spiritually see that then because I was so wrapped up in what I didn't have, right? Which I think is, that's what happens because we we just want what is missing. Um, and it takes, it takes some time and a lot of truth to be able to, <laughs> to be able to see on the backside, what can really come from it. So when I think of like advice for someone who is grieving, it's just, it's one step forward. Like every breath, one breath at a time, one step at a time. Um, Because those things, those little things really do add up to much longer distances and more days that passed. I used to look very forward to a new morning. Maybe that's one of the other reasons I really like, I really like mornings because with every new morning, there was a new opportunity and I'd survived one more day. Yeah. And and the more days that you survive, the more survivable they become. Mm-hmm. So well, and I once um read Levi Lusco's book Through the Eyes of a mm-hmm. Lion. Did y'all read that one? Yeah. No, I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Um no, he lost his daughter Lenya um to uh asthma attack, really. And when he lost her, one of the things that God showed him through that loss was that instead of grieving we only had this much time with her and that she's been gone for this many days. We now say we're this many days closer to seeing right. her again. Like, and I love that perspective that as every day passes, yay, we are one more day closer to get into heaven, one more right. day closer to getting to be reunited with her again. And I love that perspective of, you know, you are, you are 10 years closer to getting <laughs> yeah. to see Kim Lee again. I mean, yeah. like, you're getting close. We're all getting closer every day to our right? eternal home. And so good. Um, I just thought that's such a, a great perspective versus letting the enemy steal and keep us in that place of grief. Which he will. He will. Yes, he will. Absolutely. He wants to keep us. He wants to keep us from fulfilling the callings that are on our life. And I know watching you, Blakeney, just in the few short years that I've gotten to be your friend, it's been amazing to watch your writing, to watch Mm -hmm. the opportunities you're getting to share your story. And it's incredible. And I mean, and so many people, they may not comment all the time, but I (laughs) bet you they're reading your words there. And man, you have such an anointing to speak so powerfully through the things that you write because you've, you've been there, you know, it's one thing to hear from somebody with a, I don't know, an influencer of some capacity, <laughs> right. or whatever the word, the buzzword is, but man, you know, you know, when people have been through stuff and Blakeney, as so many people, we, they resonate with what you're writing and what you're sharing because you've been through the hard junk. So yeah. I'm so glad that you're sharing um, well, your story. You. I'm just so glad you're sharing your story. And, yeah. and I love, listen, y'all know for, if, you, if y'all have listened to the episodes enough, you know that I'm like an Enneagram seven. Like I want to avoid the painful <laughs> stuff. I don't want to go there <laughs> at all. But what I love about Blakeney is that, yeah, we can talk about some painful stuff, but we're having a good time too. Right? Like <laughs> it's still, I mean, if, if y'all could see Blakeney in person, she's, uh, she is such an encourager. And mm-hmm. I think because you've been in such deep, pits of despair that joy is that much sweeter and you want to give that away so i just i just thank you for that so this is probably like one of our final questions because i know we you all the three of us we could talk all night long and um, right (laughs) for sure 
We're and we be- have before. And we have, right? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But let's just pretend that you got a billboard, Blakeney, on that I-40 that's like forever in progress. <laughs> and let's just sit and look at it. Yeah. That's, that's right. Let's just say that you got a big, gigantic billboard and you could put whatever you want on it. What, what would that billboard scream? What would it say? Well, I've been thinking about that question. I thought I could, this could go super serious or it could be totally not. And if it's not serious, I would say pizza really is a food group. Like (laughs) I would, that would be what's on the billboard because I do believe that pizza should be a food group. If you add a couple of vegetables on there, or if you consider tomatoes, you really, a vegetable, not a fruit. You really can have all aspects of the food pyramid. Yes. On one bite so if i'm not going with the serious it would be pizza is its own food group if it is serious i would say smile it looks good on you Um, (laughs) because we need that reminder whether it's a good day or whether it's not smiles do things for us and for the people around us even if we're just smiling to ourselves in the car like a really stupid cheesy smile because if you do a really stupid cheesy smile then you can't help but start laughing and it just makes everything better so. Okay, so I think you need one of those like digital billboards, and that way you could have both. Like, <laughs> oh, I would totally be down for that, a hundred percent. I'm sure with some of the money that's spent on road reconstruction around here, surely they could spring for one of those digital billboards. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Blakeney, I love your story. I appreciate you so much um, just sharing from your heart today, and I think your story is really going to bless a lot of people mm-hmm. and. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your friendship and just for the way that God's been using his story of redemption in your life to heal and minister um, a lot of other people to a lot of the other people and their brokenness. So thank you for sharing that with us. Hey, before we go, would you share with our listeners how they can follow along with your writing and all of your amazing things that you're putting out in the world? Sure. I do most of my writing right now through my Instagram and Facebook. They're kind of linked. My Instagram is just at Blakeney Riley, my first and last name. And then my Facebook. Oh, that's probably a smart idea because it's not a normal name. Um, (laughs) Blakeney is B-L-A-K-N-I. And then, of course, my last name, Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. Thank you. And that's where you can find me on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's the same name um, with my um, regular page, but I also have an author page, A Thousand Thoughts by Blakeney, um, on Facebook as well. I have a blog that I've started, but I have not been quite as diligent at keeping things <laughs> posted on there. Because you it at 4.24 a.m. I, I know. Like, you know, you'd think that would be a, a divine time to be writing, but alas, I'm not so many things in. Yeah. So many things. But that's actually also called A Thousand Thoughts by Blakeney.com. So I've got great plans to move some of the other pieces that I've written um, over there. So that's a one-stop shop. But one of the things that I've found with posting with social media is if it requires an extra click, people won't do it. It's it's crazy. So I oftentimes will do my writing directly on there. But um, God has been very clear that this, the same story um, along with a lot of other facets of it needs to be in book form. And so I'm working on that. I'm actually working on putting that um, in conjunction with a journal because writing is so 100% therapeutic because there's a lot of things that we may not want to say 
to another person that we can put in a book and just get get that out. So um, that's another avenue that hopefully coming soon to a store near you. Um, <laughs> right. If you just as long as you follow Blakeney on all the socials and right. follow yes. our social, because we're surely going to give you a shout out when that book, when all of our books get published. That's, that's right. right. Saying it right now, claiming it right now. All of us. All of us. <laughs> yes. I've published books though. Well, okay, everybody. This has been super fun. Blakeney, thank you again for being our special guest and more importantly for being a good friend to both of us. Likewise. We are going to say goodbye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Page of Our Lives. And we will be back next week with more. See you then. Thanks, everybody. Bye, friends. Well, that closes the chapter on another episode of The Page of Our Lives. Curious where to find the things we mention on our show? Check out our show notes. They're at our website, pageofourlivespodcast.com. If you liked today's episode, we would love for you to share it with a friend and leave a rating or a review in your podcast player. And be sure to follow along with us on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us there at Page of Our Lives Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.